Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Never sure how many people are going to be here on a holiday weekend. Thank you for being here. It seems like forever. I don't know why it feels this. Has a lot happened in the last two weeks? I mean, it was just two weeks ago. It seems like we were talking about, I was trying to keep my eclipse plan secret. <laughs> um, How many? Of you, I know some of you went some. How many of you went someplace to see the totality of the eclipse? Does that include your front yard? Yeah, yeah. You had totality in your front. Yard? Oh, okay. We pretended. You pretended. Yeah. So I went over near Jason's part of the world, over in past Silva, um, in North Carolina. I went over Sunday night, and. Um, I just didn't know how many people were going to be over there. Um, Sunday night, there weren't that many. Um, I went to, uh, I was trying to figure out, I looked at the map and I was trying to figure out where all the millions of people were going to go. I was trying to find a place hard enough to get to um, where not everybody would go. So I decided to go to... Uh, the casino. No. <laughs> That's where a lot of people find it really easy to go. Uh, went to... Lake Navahela. Um, I don't know if you've been there before. I hadn't been there before. It's a beautiful lake um, up past the gorge there where they launch all the rafts uh, for whitewater rafting. And I just slept in my car on Sunday night. Because <laughs> um, I didn't just know how many, what time people would start getting there. It was a gorgeous night. I mean, the stars were stunning out in the middle of nowhere. And actually, I, had a, I was taking some pictures of the stars that night. And I had a woman stop and she asked if I was taking pictures. She said, yeah. And she said she was a photographer too. She said, she said, I, she said my parents were born here. She said, I come up here all the time. She says, I have never seen a night like this my entire life. Um, she said, it's always foggy. Um, it's always overcast. She says, I've, ne I've never seen a night like this. So I felt really, I was glad I went up the night before. It was a stunning night. And the eclipse the next day, I'd never been in totality before. It, yeah. People are right when they say you can't really explain it. If you ever get a chance, again, to, to do it, um, it's worth it. Uh, drive a little ways. I mean, it took me, I almost, I was stuck in, on the highway outside this going through Silva so long, I thought I could have pulled off, gone and had dinner yeah, with your family, and come back, and I, my car would still be in the same place. <laughs> I think it was like two, it took me like three hours to get there and about five or six hours to get back, but it was worth it. Um, so anyway, that's happened. Uh, all the flooding and everything, the weather has happened since two weeks ago when we talked about, we finished up our last series. And I told you I was gonna, we we're gonna start a new series today. I'm just gonna sort of introduce it today. Um, long, long time ago, we uh, passed out cards and we gave you 10 or 12 ideas of possibilities. And some of those were ones, well, all of them pretty much were things that you suggested. And um, one of the ones that, I don't know why I was surprised, but I never know what people want to study or want to hear about. And one of the ones that was suggested actually um, by Emmett Essen back when we were 
doing the hard sayings of Jesus. That, you know, that, that was a series that thought it would never end. Um, Emmett said, why don't we do, uh, could we do a series on the creeds, right? The historic creeds that we sometimes say. Um, just like, where do they come from? What are we saying? Why are we saying them? Um, what, what do we do if we're not sure we believe everything that we're saying? Or is that a problem? Or all kinds of possibilities there. Like, where do these things come from? And why should we care? Um, so we're going to start that today. And um, we'll just see where it goes. I can't tell you. I, I feel confident it won't last as long as the hard sayings of Jesus. Um, but I really don't know how long it will take to, to work our way through. We'll just kind of see how it goes. So that's, that's what we're, we're headed to today. So first, I thought I would just ask, um, because I know in a group like this, I know a little bit about a number of you. Uh, I know not all of you uh, were raised in the Methodist church. A lot of you come from lots of different um, church backgrounds. Um, how many of you were raised in, in churches that, with some regularity, uh, used the creeds in worship? How many of you did that? Okay. How many of you were raised in traditions where either through neglect or through intention did not use creeds in your churches? Yeah. That would be me, too. Yeah. So maybe two-thirds, one-third um, for this group, which is about what I thought it might be. Um, and for those, I mean, for those of you who are from traditions that use creeds. I mean, when do they, when are they used? When do you bump into the creeds in, in worship, Bill? I was in the seventh grade living in Townsville, Tennessee, and my Sunday school class had an assignment to memorize the Apostles' Creed. Okay. And that's, I've always been proud that I've known it, and I said it when I had to read it. You still remember it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so some of you who were memorized uh, the creed maybe during confirmation or something like that. Uh, Church, they had lots of different creeds, and one was the Nicene Creed, and I think the Methodist Church has that too. Yeah, what is the um, the two primary creeds used in the West are the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. Uh, we'll talk about those. Um, anybody like when is the Nicene Creed? If it's used in the Methodist Church, when is it typically used? Anybody know? Anybody remember? Just kind of block out 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 during the worship. <laughs> we just stand up and say. Ah, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> I want to think it's during the church year. I mean, the, the beginning of the church year. Something is it? It might be. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying it. It's it's often uh, in some Methodist circles and lots of other circles. It tends to be the one used during communion often. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but it's often, if you say a creed during communion, we don't, depending on which service you're on, and even in the traditional service here at Muncie, it's not often or always said, but it has been said in uh, communion. Uh, Apostles' Creed is used other times, um, often used at baptisms, um, funerals. If you were at the funeral yesterday for Don, we, we said the Apostles' Creed together. 
And you might think, well, that's a weird thing to do. Why would we, why would we say the Apostles' Creed at a funeral? Um, that's a good question. I mean, and that's part of what we're trying to, to answer today. Uh, to just begin to think, like, what, why do we have these creeds? And what are they for? And why should anybody care about these? Um, so I hope by the time we're done, we'll have a little bit better appreciation for uh, what these creeds are, where they come from, why we have them, and what they're for. And maybe uh, the next time that you're invited uh, to stand and recite or read the creed, you'll have a little uh, deeper appreciation for what you're doing and maybe can enter in a little more fully. Can I ask you a question? Uh, as long as you don't expect an answer, Bill. But you can, you're always willing, welcome to ask anything. This is an easy one. Oh, that's most the worst kind. And I have to be humiliated if I don't know it. <laughs> that kind of dawned on me, just as a personal, but say if, if I were out somewhere and, and, and told someone, someone I was a Methodist, I bought the Methodist Church, mm. and they, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. If I recited that Apostles' Creed, to me, that pretty much signified what I believe. Yeah, that's a great... Bill said that uh, if he was out somewhere and somebody found out he was one of those Methodists and uh, they were brave enough to ask him what he believed, he said if he recited the Apostles' Creed, he thought that would be, you know, not a bad summary. And and that's exactly right. I mean, that's precisely how they have been used. Um, We forget that in the early days of the church, and for centuries later, I mean, people didn't have scripture on their iPhones, believe it or not. Um, They didn't even have Bibles. I mean, some of you have literally uncountable numbers of Bibles in your houses, right? And so we just sort of take for granted that we have easy access to Scripture. Um, They didn't have easy access to Scripture. And so when they were being instructed in the faith, uh, one of the ways that the early church instructed um, people who wanted to prepare to be uh, brought into the church was by teaching these short Uh, relatively short, shorter than reading the whole Bible, right? Um, Summaries of the central tenets of the faith. And it's it's one thing that has been gotten handed down. It's part of our heritage. I I was thinking about this this week and and looking at the devastation in Houston um, and listening to the stories that have come out of Houston um, they're just heartbreaking. Um, I heard one uh, gentleman on the radio who was talking about that he didn't have much time. The water was rising so fast, he, I didn't have much time to get out. But he said, I did have time this time, unlike the last time. Um, I had time to grab the photo album. Right? So what an interesting instinct. Right, might have been one of your instincts too, right? If if you have to grab, if you only can grab a couple of things, 
um, what would you grab? Well, he grabbed, you know, the family photo album. Um, and you think, gosh, if that wouldn't have any worth to anybody else but them, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to sort of dismiss it, but he said, you know, if he'd said, here, I want you to have this photo album, it's like, well, no, I think it means more to you than it does me. I mean, um, because, I mean, the photo album, among other things, it's this amazing prompt to our memory, right? That, that's why photo albums are fun, is because you, you can open it up and all of a sudden you can point to one picture and now you can tell the story for 35 minutes, right? Now you could have told that story, but maybe, maybe you would have remembered that story without the picture, maybe you wouldn't have, right? Um, so it's not a perfect analogy. Um, but in some ways, the, the, the creeds are kind of photo albums, if you will. Um, they kind of remind us of central things. They don't say everything. I mean, you don't have photos of your whole life. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> um, but there, there are some important things that didn't make it into your photo album, right? And there are some plenty of important things in Scripture that don't make it into the creeds. Um, but there, it's not, what's in there isn't just happenstance either, okay? Um, probably somewhere um, in your photo albums of your family, I mean, you have, you have birth pictures, right? You have wedding pictures. I mean, you have important events that you have marked with photographs because you wanted these prompts you wanted to, to, to be able to remember. And that's a little bit like what the creeds are. They don't say everything, um, but they're, they're prompts to remind us of the, the central features of the faith. And, and to be clear, it's easy because we think of the creeds as, I mean, I'm a theologian by trade, no one really knows what that means. Um, I don't even know what it means. Um, yeah. I think part of what it means is, is we're, we're the keepers of the photo album. Right? Um, we try to keep reminding people, like, hold on to the photo album. This is important. Uh, and we make sure it gets handed down. Right? I mean... I'm grateful that in our family photo album, uh, I, have, I have pictures of people that I've never met. Um, relatives of my parents um, who I never met. Um, and so it's not, it's not just my memory. I mean, the photo album isn't just my memory. It's memories of other people that have been handed down to me. And, and the creeds have been handed down to us. And they're part of our heritage, an important part of our heritage. And even if you're like me, who grew up in a tradition that not only uh, avoided creeds, um, but was a little suspicious of creeds, actually, um, because it was under, 
you know, the tradition I came from um, recognized rightly that there have been times in the history of the church when creeds have been divisive, right? I mean, they have divided people. Um, but at their best, um, creeds have actually uh, brought people together um, because there, if you know the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, I mean, that, that gets said across a lot of denominational lines, right? These are things, central parts of the photo album that we all agree on. This is like, we all can agree that this is our family, right? This is our family. And we might disagree about a lot of things, right? As a, you know, all families have disagreements, that doesn't make you dysfunctional necessarily, right? I mean, it could, but not necessarily, right? Um, there are disagreements within the church, but there are some things that we hold in common. And the creeds are not a bad place to start if you had to name what some of those commonalities are. So weeks ago, we were trying to think about, you know, the the unity of the church and how we think about that. Um, part of what the creeds, part of the function of the creeds has been to, to hold the church together uh, across time and space. And so the first thing to get clear about then, um, or another thing to get clear about is when we say the word theology, I don't know about you, but I know my students' eyes just kind of glaze over. Like, oh gosh, theology, here we go. Oh, not more theology. <laughs> um, because I think, understandably, um, when we say the word theology, it just sounds intimidating, and we think of people sitting, you know, people who don't really have a life, sitting in an office somewhere, uh, thinking really deep esoteric thoughts that are completely uh, incapable of being um, understood uh, by by mere mortals, right? Um, That's what Jason told us. Yeah, he, he's a biblical scholar. He actually has a field. Uh, he has subject matter. He has texts, right? Um, this is as close as we get to text, Jason, or the creeds, right? So, um, yeah. But there, you know, the creeds didn't, uh, they didn't arise and they don't serve as kind of esoteric, philosophical, deep thoughts about God. They are first, last, and always confessions. Okay. They are a confession of faith. They're not sort of abstract, here's ten things to think about God. If It's not that. These are things that we say that we are confessing our faith. We are announcing our faith. We are witnessing to our faith. So it's, a, it's as much about us, right? I mean, think about the, the first and the last words 
of the Creed. Right? The first words of the Apostles' Creed is, I believe. Right? Or the Nicene Creed, we believe. Right? Doesn't say, we think. Doesn't mean we're trying to get our heads around. Um, it doesn't say we're a little bit confused about. It says, it's, a, it's an affirmation that says, I believe. And, and notice that we typically say it almost always in a corporate setting. So even the Apostles' Creed, which uses you know, the first person singular I, we're all standing and saying that together. So there's, there's just kind of a we implied, right? Um, I don't typically say the Apostles' Creed on my own. It's something that we affirm together. And it's something that we, we believe, right? It's an affirmation of our faith. You know, the, great, the three great theological virtues of uh, the Christian tradition are faith, hope, and love. And hope and love are the, are the two that Christians haven't had all that much trouble with as far as thinking they are central to the Christian faith and affirming them. Uh, the faith is the one that we keep sort of bumping into uh, because it's, it's hard to get our heads around it. Like, what does that actually mean? I mean, I know what it means to love my neighbor. I just have trouble doing it. But it's not because I don't know what it is, right? Um, but this notion of faith, I mean, but faith is so central that we sometimes, and sometimes we call the Christian tradition the Christian faith, right? We say this is the central part of the Christian faith, so we use the word faith to stand in for the whole tradition, right? Um, and we forget that not all religious traditions have this notion of reflection on and confession of who God is in the same way that Christians do. Um, and so we have this notion that, that faith, faith is not just what goes on in your head. This is why it's a confession. It's, it's we are committing our entire lives to what we're saying. It's, it's a big deal to say the creed, uh, to stand up and say, this is what we believe, is, is to say, this is who we are. This is who we are. This is, this is the God that we worship and serve. This God. I mean, the truth of the matter, everybody worships and serves something. It's just part of human nature. Uh, sometimes it's articulated what we worship and serve, and sometimes it's just sort of implicit. But we're worshiping creatures. We, we ascribe value to, we ascribe worth just by our very nature. Everybody, we are worshiping beings. And this, these creeds are a kind of public affirmation of who we are and who who this God is, who we worship and serve. It's, it's a, a kind of affirmation of our deepest loyalties, which is a big deal. 
Um, whatever you make, this is an aside, I'm not trying to uh, stir up trouble today, but I was, this is my shower thought for today. It's always dangerous. For those of you who aren't here regularly, I don't always have shower thoughts, but shower thoughts, um, are, it's the one time of the day when I'm actually capable of having a thought on a good day. And once in a while, I, I have two thoughts. And on a really, really, really good day, the two thoughts are connected. Um, so if you're worrying about shower, like why is he talking about a shower? Like I'm in the wrong Sunday school class. Um, I feel quite sure, I, I was thinking this morning in the shower about how many people over the last several months have been animated, rightly or wrongly, that's not the issue, but people have been animated about the so-called uh, national anthem, right? Um, about whether people are standing, uh, singing, not standing, singing. Um, we could say the same thing about the, the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Uh, a lot of you would be uh, deeply offended if during the pledge someone didn't stand. Um, because in some ways these these reveal something about our loyalties, we believe, right? Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not offering a commentary one way or the other about that. I'm just noting that somehow something deep inside a lot of people gets stirred up when somebody messes with your, the loyalty pledge that's close to your heart. Um, I've never been all that stirred up when somebody chose to say or not say the Apostles' Creed. I don't know what to say. Think about that. I just, I just had that thought in the shower and maybe I should have left it there. <laughs> um, but that, that may say something. I don't know. I, I haven't thought about it long enough to know even what it might say other than, you know, it's probably a thought that could get me in trouble in a hurry, so I will hurry along. Um, so, this is something that the, the church has used for a very long time to announce its central loyalties, to identify the God that the church worships and serves, and in saying so, saying something about who we are, who say this creed together couple other things to say about the, the nature of the creed. Um, it, the, the legend, we'll, we'll talk, what we'll probably do next week is we'll use the Apostles' Creed, which is the most more familiar one. We'll use that as sort of the outline. We'll sort of work our way through it. And we'll bring in the Nicene Creed when it raises some other issues. It's a little more detailed creed about some matters. Um, but the, the interesting about the Apostles' Creed, I mean, the legend uh, that was uh, circulated for many years, but the reason it was called the Apostles' Creed, was that um, the legend was that um, before the disciples dispersed 
to the ends of the earth after Jesus leaves and after Pentecost that the apostles gathered and all 12 apostles contributed one phrase. Okay. Um, and put together, they formed the Apostles' Creed. Um, I think there are very few scholars, if any, who actually believe that's how the Apostles' Creed uh, came about. Um, but it was partly an attempt in the early church to, to say what is so, and that is uh, the material, uh, the phrases, the affirmations, the confessions that are in the Apostles' Creed are apostolic. In other words, they reflect the teaching of the Apostles. They do. Um, no one just sat around and made up a creed whole cloth. And so one of the things we'll be doing is, is talking about, like, where, where does this come from in Scripture? How, why is this being affirmed? Why is this important? Why is this important photo in the album? Why did this part make it in the album? Um, and so it, they are a kind of compendium of some of the central affirmations of Scripture. Um, so that's an important thing uh, to keep in mind. And that, as I said before, they're, they're communal. Um, and they're communal in the sense that not just that we use them in the community of faith, but they, they arose out of the community of faith. Um, these, these were not, I mean, the Apostles' Creed was not imposed on people. Um, it, it arose over centuries, actually. Uh, we, don't, we don't think the, the current form of the Apostles' Creed actually, we can't, um, it, it's part of an old Roman creed uh, early on, but it's, its current form, we, we can't find it anywhere until about the fifth or sixth century. So we're talking hundreds of years after Jesus. Okay. Um, the Nicene Creed is earlier, actually. Uh, the form that we use came about in about 381. Um, but it took, I mean, it was suggested, it was worked out um, by church leaders 50 years before that. And the church wrestled with sort of, for, for, for 50 years, uh, trying to decide if this way of stating it uh, was faithful. I mean, think about that, right? You think, you know, local churches take a long time to make decisions and get, you know, come to consensus. Well, 50 years is a pretty long time. Um, but it, the point was, it, it had to be used. It had to, people had to hear it because it was used in worship. It wasn't just, you know, sitting on a shelf somewhere. Uh, wasn't sort of, you know, We'll, like we do in 21st century, we'll have a study group who will make a report to the annual conference, and then it'll get shelved somewhere, and, no, and nothing will happen with it. No, the, these were used. In fact, the first, the first creeds that we have, that we know of, were actually um, baptismal creeds, and they weren't affirmations first of all, they were questions. 
right? The earliest forms of the creeds were uh, when a candidate came for baptism, uh, they would be asked, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? And they would say, I believe. And they would be baptized the first time. And then they would be asked, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived, right? And they would say, I believe. And they would be baptized again. And do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And they would say, I believe. And they'd be baptized again. Okay. Threefold baptism. Because God is triune, right? This is a Trinitarian God. And so original baptisms were, were three plungings. Uh, one after each affirmation of faith. And we have, we have some of that language recorded, right? So the first creeds weren't just someone standing up and saying this. It was, it was part of the worship experience. It was part of baptism, which is one of the reasons why we use creeds at baptism. I've been doing this for 2,000 years as part of the family heritage, right? Um, so th these were giving opportunities for people to say, I mean, baptism is taking on a new identity, right? We forget this, um, but it's, you know, Paul in Romans talks about, you know, dying, right? With Christ, we die, and, and that we're, we're raised to new life, and it was typical. Um, we don't do this nearly as much now. It's still done, and done more in some circles, um, but you're, after you're baptized, you're given a new name, it's a pretty strong indication that you've got a new identity, right? You now have a, a Christian name uh, that you carry because you're you're a new person. Right? So these these creeds are are woven into the life of the community of faith, and they're they're affirmations of of who we are and our our deepest instincts of who God is. And so they're wrapped up into this, this I believe or we believe, which again doesn't mean we simply assent to this in our heads. It means we, we entrust ourselves, right? Faith is not just a matter of thinking the right things. Um, faith is entrusting ourselves to something or someone. So when we stand up and say, I believe we're saying we entrust ourselves to this God, which is why it's quite appropriate, like we did yesterday, when we were offering Don back to God to stand up and say, we believe, we, we entrust ourselves, and that ourselves is us and Don and everyone else. We entrust ourselves to this very particular God, right? The God most fully revealed in Jesus Christ. And we, we need to be reminded of that at these critical moments of our life together. 
whether it's baptism, our, our death to our old selves, or whether it's funerals where we gather to celebrate the life of someone and yet are grieving, we need to be reminded who, who, into whose hands are we committing this beloved person. So it's at these moments that we find ourselves leaning on these treasured family heirlooms, if you will. Um, this is kind of legacy that has been handed down to us. So I hope in the, in the coming weeks as we reflect on this, that we won't just think it's some, you know, stodgy theological language that sits on a shelf someday uh, that just gives theologians something to do. Um, but this is, this is at the heart of who we are. Uh, can you do without the creeds? You can. I mean, you could do without the family photo album. You'll still have memories. You'll still have other ways. But you're better for it. Okay? You're better for having it. And we'll talk about some of the ways in the coming weeks that we're better for it. And, and even someone like me who grew up in a tradition that didn't necessarily honor the creeds, the irony is my church wasn't any less affected by the creeds than anyone else's, even though we didn't say them. And what I mean by that in closing is things like this. I mean, um, how is it that I grew up in a Bible-believing church that thought there was no creed but Christ and no nothing, all you need was the Bible, and yet I knew from an early age that the central heart of God's good news wasn't found in the holiness code of Leviticus. Some of you don't even know what the holiness code of Leviticus is. <laughs> but we can imagine a faith where that would be at the heart. It's not for us. It's not completely unimportant, but it's not the heart of who we are. Um, most of you could name the heart of the gospel. Most of you know how to read scripture a little bit. You know what's at the center of it. That's not disconnected from a couple thousand years of people handing down to you some pictures rather than others and saying, this is who we are. And so even if you're not a fan of creeds, um, you're affected by them more than you know. And which is probably a, maybe a good reason in itself to pay attention to what has shaped our imagination about the God we serve and who we are as those people. So I'm looking forward to this uh, series. Um, I've never taught a series on the creeds before. So like a lot of things that we've done together, one reason I love teaching this class is because you asked me to teach things I've never taught before. So I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, but I always learn a lot um, in thinking through these things with you. Uh, and so thanks for inviting me to, to think out loud with you. And thanks for, for Emmett for suggesting it. And uh, I look forward to uh, wrestling uh, with these creeds and seeing if we can uh, come to appreciate this part of our heritage a little more. Let's pray together.
Gracious God, we, we recognize when we pause, even for a moment, that we have received great treasures handed down to us from people whose names we will never know. And that our lives and our faith would be so much poorer had those not been handed down to us. We give you thanks for all those men and women across the generations who made the scriptures possible to be handed down to us faithfully. And we give thanks to those men and women through the centuries who also uh, crafted creeds um, for our good and for the good of your church. Uh, may we see these as part of our valued heritage. Uh, may they uh, encourage us, inspire us, uh, remind us of who you are and who we are. And may, may we be capable when we say amen at the end of the creed. So be it. May we so be the people who have committed themselves to this God revealed through this Jesus in whose name we offer this prayer and our lives.